Hey, I'm Coach Jay. I'm the G-Man. We've built this podcast for the hardworking men and women of the automotive community. Some of you will listen and be entertained. Others will listen and apply. Our purpose is to provide both. Welcome to the Hard Shop Life. All right, welcome back to the Hard Shop Life. I'm Coach Jay. I'm the G-Man. What's up, G-Man? A G-Man. Not maybe not the G Man. Maybe I'm just a G Man. A G Man? Oh maybe. my gosh. Really? Am, am I, I am I the A Coach J? The G Man feels a little heavy. I don't know. <laughs> a little too, Dude, come on. A little too specific. Really? You don't want to be the G Man? I don't want to be the G Man. Come on. I just man. want to be a G Man. G, come on, bro. That's that's like gangster. The gangster I man. It's, it, it, it's basically because my name's Gary. Well, 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 well. Everybody knows you're the G Man. You're a celebrity. All right, so All right, let's move on. Today's topic is how I hated you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a, oh. I mean, they're like, whoa, just right out the back. That's kind of yeah, like, boom. Get in line. Yeah, well, I, I hated the G-Man. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to pop out the story. And, and this is really, it's a misconception. That's how I met my wife, by the way, too. She hated me, too. So anyways. I, I start all my best relationships that way. So, bro, this is your second marriage. This is We're my stuck. second marriage. <laughs> We're stuck, bro. We've started this thing. It's not. It's you know. You got to take care of yourself. So anyway, so this is how it all began. And this 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 actual episode is about the misunderstandings between two departments that have to work one with each other and need each other in order to succeed. In yeah, not fixed even operations. necessarily have to work together. They are uh, connected at the hip. Oh, they have to be. And I think that's the thing a lot of guys miss. And we're talking, of course, about parts and service. Right. But they that, that is a synergistic relationship that either one of them cannot survive without the other. Um, and yet, in a lot of cases, they're siloed and they don't communicate well. And I think this opening story that you're about to tell about... Your oh, dis- I hated you. Your disdain for me hated you. is going to exemplify and 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 then kind of launch us into this topic. So hated um, you. I think this will be a good discussion, and hopefully you guys can pull something good so, out of it. So when I first met the G-Man a long time ago, I was a service advisor, mm-hmm. and you were the parts manager. Yep. Yeah. So I had just transferred from the East Coast to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. I had worked for an automotive uh, company, an automotive group that had taught me that, you know, having parts on the shelf, not moving is a, is a loss. We're not making money. You got to move parts. Right. So they were willing to say, Hey, we're going to give you freedom to take 10% off up to 15% off, sometimes even 20% off to sell the job. You got to sell the job. 80% of something was better than a hundred percent of nothing. Okay. That's what I was trained. Okay. So I moved to the West Coast. I'm a service advisor, and I start doing fairly well. Now I'm not I'm not a discount king by any sense. I wasn't at that moment in time. I was just trying to get the job, and I was like, man, you know what? If I could sell this, you know. So then I saw I got You're a little pushback. Like a discount queen? No. <laughs> I saw you over there. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say? I was going to say Joker, which is kind of more apropos, I would say. (laughs) The discount Joker. (laughs) Anyways, sorry, I derailed you. Continue. That's it. (laughs) So, so, you know, to try to sell the job at times when I got a little, you know, resistance from the customer, I would, you know, 
offer to discount some of the labor, but I had to get some some price breaks from the parts. So I would go to the back counter and I asked the guys, hey guys, can you guys help me with this one ticket? You know, I'm trying to get and the first couple of times, they were okay with it. Totally okay with it. Literally by the third time, and not kidding, this wasn't off, often, it was like a week later. By the third time, I went to the back counter. I'm like, hey guys, I'm really trying to get this done. Can you guys give me a little break? And they said, no break. And I'm like, what? They said, no break. And I'm like, what do you mean, man? Let's go. I'm trying to sell this thing. No, man. Like, you're cool and we appreciate you selling, but yeah, no, it's above our heads. I'm like, above your head? Who? who? Like, well, you need to go talk to Gary. To Gary? Who's this guy? Gary's the parts manager. I'm like, oh, I know Gary's the parts manager. I'm like, all right, well, how am I going to talk to Gary? Well, Gary said that if he came back here, we had to contact him. And then if he was available, then you need to go to his office. Now, if if I could visually, it just, just give you the visualization. A parts manager's office is like a cave in a dungeon. It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's all the way in, you know, you're like, it's a maze. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm thinking pan's labyrinth, yeah. like boom, you know, boom, parts manager. So I was like, okay. And so they give him a call and he says, yeah, bring him back here. And of course, you know, it's Fort Knox. So they got to click and yeah, unlock there's like the back. six doors. Yeah, like, like, get smart, you know? Yeah. yeah. So. I walk back there and I walk into Gary's office and I said, hey, Gary, how you doing? Um, you know, I'm really sorry to bother you. I don't know why I'm being sent here, but I want to let you know that I'm trying to sell this ticket and I just need – I'm asking for like, you know, I, I really would need like 15% off. But if you could give me 10% off, that would be fantastic. And Gary's answer was? No. No. Like just like that. He's like, no. <laughs> I was like, uh, but I did, no. We've given you plenty of breaks, um, and no, we we don't work that way here. And I was like, "F this guy!" You know, I, I know somebody's going to edit this, and you should just go beep beep beep. Yeah, I'm telling you, I was pissed because I was like, "How am I going to sell this?" So he's like, "No, take it off your labor." I'm like, "I've already taken it off my labor. I've already given the discount. I just need a little help from the parts." The answer was, "No, no." So I said, "Well, this is jacked up," and I left. Right. Super upset, hated, hated the parts manager, <laughs> hated him. He's a jerk. Couldn't make the sale. So that was the end of that, right? Here comes again. Another time I go back and I'm like, look, I'm going to have to talk to Gary. I'm like, Gary, look, man, how can we work this out where we can work? We're, we're listen, I, I don't care how you do it because I know you work on margins. I know you're probably making plenty of money. And the thing is, I knew this because on the East Coast, I was a service manager temporarily. I had moved back to be a service advisor because, you know, for other reasons or whatever. But I, I, I voluntarily moved and I said, look, man, I know how it works, bro. You're probably making all the money in the world. You have the highest net of the store. We get it. Cut me a break here. And so – Take it on, G man. This is he had to give me the he had to, to school me. Well, I mean that's the thing, and I think uh, this this story I guarantee is not an isolated story. I mean, no. you know the dealers that we're working with right now, we hear it all the time. Oh, the parts department, oh that parts manager, and we you know oh my god, he's you know he's a jerk, and we don't like him, and you know et cetera et cetera. And they're trying to you know I get it. They it's a hard job being an advisor. They're doing what they can, and they need a little break because they want to try to move some units, you know, and and sell a job. But they don't they 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 don't truly understand. And I think as an industry, we've failed them. Everybody, to be honest with you, 
Wait, because wait, wait, the parts department? I, I think, no, I think I'm saying as an industry, the upper management leaders in this industry have failed the people who work for us. You know, we fa- I failed the counter guys. We failed the advisors. Like they don't, they, because we don't communicate with each other very often and things are very separate and siloed, then they don't truly understand each other's world. And so, you know, what was happening, and you didn't know this, but what was happening is these guys were giving you a discount and then hating you for that Mm. because they were getting paid off the gross of the part and you were eating into that margin. They were taking money right out of their pocket. Oh, so they were a bunch of wimps. They were just putting it on you. But they were, they, yeah, well, basically, yeah. But I mean, you know, me, I'm looking at margin overall and watching it shrink and thinking, no, you can't do that. So they so they're feeling the pinch, they're upset, which is why sometimes parts departments can be such a, a disgruntled environment because it does feel like nobody gives us any respect back there. You know what I mean? Nobody nobody cares about our margins. They're like, hey, I'm about to sell a three thousand dollar transmission for you. Just give me three hundred bucks off. Meanwhile, three hundred bucks could be the entire margin on the part. Mm. We could be taking it back to cost, if not below cost in some cases. So there's not we're not always making a killing on these pieces, you know, regardless of the, you know, of the cost or the the uh, not the cost, even the sale amount of the part. In fact, sometimes the more expensive the part, the lower the margin. So that's the first thing I think is they don't understand how thin the margins are back there, how small the the. um you know, the opportunity for error, like making mistakes in a parts department is traumatic because you just don't have a lot of gross to work with. Like on the service side, you know, you're grossing 75, 80%. So 80% of your sale becomes gross profit for you to use, you know, to pay your people, to write things off, to spiff people, to do all those things. But in a parts department in general, you're ranging anywhere from on the low side, sometimes lower than 10%. In wholesale to, you know, maybe over the counter, you're, you're pushing, you know, most guys are doing 30, 35, you know, 40%. Yeah. Again, you know, looking at it through the perspective eyes of an advisor, I believe that a lot of establishments, that establishment, our old store, I didn't know your margins. So to me, I knew that the tech cost was going to be $35 an hour and I'm selling it for whatever the amount is, right? So I right. know I'm making some money. But to my to me, the the my assumptions the same. If this part's 100, it probably costs 50 bucks. Right. Honestly, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, that's what exactly. I'm That's exactly what I'm well, thinking. That's the thing. And you think a $3,000 transmission costs yeah. 1500 bucks and I'm da- making $1500. A hundred percent. A hundred. So I'm over here going, these guys are just you know, they say it in Spanish, ladrones, man. You guys are just ripoff artists. Like, dude, you can't give me 300 bucks when you're making 1500 But That's the thing, and that's where parts departments go wrong. You find a parts department that's losing money because parts is the place where you should net every single time because it's a controlled – like if you think about it, you were talking about tech costs. If I have a lube tech work on my car versus a master tech, my costs are going to be different, but my labor sale is going to be the same. So you in service has they, you have a variable cost model, right? The cost is going to be all over the place depending mm-hmm. upon who touches the car. In the parts department, you don't. You have a fixed cost. Whatever I pay for that part in general, I mean parts will go up and down, but usually it only happens once a month and it's pretty rare. 
So you're going to have a fixed cost on that part. So it's easy to control. I spent, I buy it for 50 bucks. I need to sell it for a hundred, just like you said, right? Mm -hmm. That's the goal. That's, that's the goal of it. And so you should net because that plus the people it takes to man the counter should be a pretty easy formula, but they lose it because of that. Because of the misunderstandings and some parts managers who don't truly understand their metrics and what their numbers are, they get caught up in the, I just want to move a piece. I don't want to have obsolescence. I don't want to have, you know, like you're talking about this other man or this other dealer group that you work for. What they're really talking about is turn that mm-hmm. they care about is turning that inventory over. Right. Well, let's talk about there. I don't even know what that is. What, what, how, how do you turn? Basically, why is that important? Per well, se. well, because you want to know that your investment is is creating a return, right? And so the turn, the how many times your inventory turns over for the over a twelve month period is is what you're using to create a, a a value for you know what you have on the shelf, your investment. If you're a business owner, you're the 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 owner of the dealership. Mm-hmm. You want to know that I've invested a million dollars in parts. So that means, you know, I need to turn these over at least six times a year. So at least, so I'm selling, let's say $600,000 in parts uh, or $500,000 in parts to turn it over, you know, six times a year, right? Okay. So, so that's what they're talking. They just want to know that their investment is working for them. And by, by monitoring turns, it's a very simple, flat, simplified metric to show them that it's working. It isn't the end all be all. Um, it isn't something that I think it's the only thing you should manage your parts department, but it's one guide and it's one that, that, um, that owners like that dollar day supply, you know, they want to know, you know, again, if you're selling a million dollars worth of parts and you have a million dollars on the shelf, you're selling a million a month, let's say you got a million in inventory, then your dollar day supply, you're basically have a month's worth of parts, right? Mm. If you're, if you're selling 500,000 and you have a million, now you have 60 days on the shelf. Hmm. Which which might be a little too much. Their investment is a little heavy, and they're not getting quite the return. They're spending an extra half a million that they probably don't need to. They could use that money to buy used cars or invest in the facility or buy racks, um, but that money's tied up in parts, right? So, but at the same time, I, I mean, I'm looking at car thing I would sales say, too. I just want to make sure nobody's checking me on this turn. Everybody's out there doing the math on my turn. I'm throwing numbers out of my head, so please. Uh, <laughs> I don't yeah, have a written yeah. down in no, front of me. No, he doesn't. Like he's, he's winging it right now. He's winging it. Uh, I was just thinking to myself, did they get that turn for me? I don't know. It's close enough. <laughs> no, I, I, I get it. Okay, so guys, I mean, you know, and, and we invite any parts managers or parts people that want to participate in this. Please put, give your input. Uh, you know, put it in the comment section. You know, we have our Facebook page. Talk about it. Let's talk about this. You can correct us. I don't care. We're just talking yeah. about it. It's just, we're yeah. just we're, we're storytelling. Uh, and and the the truth of the matter is 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 yes. Do we have to get it right? I think the right way to do it is writing it down, having the metric, doing it correctly. But we don't have that on. We're just talking about it, right? right. And the thing, the really focus of this relation of this conversation is the relationship between those exactly. two entities, right? Is the misunderstanding between both of those stores or both of those departments so think about that for a second right well you don't have the part on the shelf why don't you have this part on the shelf right it's a set of brake pads for an m you know bmw m3 why don't you have it well we don't have it because they didn't make that many of that car and the brake pads are a thousand dollars and i could put 10 parts on the shelf that you actually sell and need instead of putting that one on the shelf oh yeah because i have to maintain so you see what i'm saying like 
I if I have to have a, if I'm I'm held to a thirty or forty five day supply, and I need to turn my inventory six seven times a year, maybe more. I need to be very careful about what that investment looks like. Right. And while from the service side it might seem simple, it's just one set of pads. But you start making that decision over and over again, and guess what? You got you have stale, frozen capital. You have investment dollars that are sitting on the shelf that are not turning, and these metrics start to turn to nothing. And next thing you know, you have the dealer in your office saying, what the hell? Mm. And holding the parts manager responsible for not spending his money wisely. Meanwhile, you're trying to placate to the service department and trying to help them. But you got shrinking margins. You got parts on the shelf that don't move. You know, think about it. And so it's like, but they don't know that. None of these things, none of the service man. You could ask just about any service manager in the business. I bet you, ninety percent don't know. No clue. They don't know what they're up against. In the advisors, the same way. Oh so, yeah. I mean, if I'm an advisor right now, I'm over here. I'm and I've, I've been I've been that guy, blasting you. How do you not have this transmission fluid? This is ridiculous. Yep. How do you not have simple transmission fluid? And then you go back into it and you look deeper and it's like, well, this is a 10 speed. Right. We've made three of them ever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like this is – it's like you telling – I'll never forget. I had a manager tell me that one time or a parts manager. Like, hey, you're asking for me to provide you something that hasn't even been put on a shelf for 20 years and just boom, give, make it appear. Right. Here right. it is. You know, good luck with that. Yeah. So so there's that, right? You want to have it in stock. There's the thing about, you know, you think that their margins are bigger than they are. And, and fortunately, right now in this business, parts margins are on a, on a move upward, which I've noticed a trend across the country that we're getting a little bit more relief and things are starting to move up. But still not enough to, to create a whole, you know, a whole, um, you know, a, a, a whole lot of room for discounting. There's still mm-hmm. not a lot of room for discounting because housing and, and managing and, and you know stocking and picking and ordering and counting and all the things you have to do to touch that part to maintain it in there uh, gets expensive. Those carrying costs, you know, a lot of guys are running 18, 19% carrying cost. Mm-hmm. And so if your carrying costs are, are, you know, are hovering around 20%, then you know, you 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 can't afford it, and you're get a four. Let's say you're getting a forty percent margin; it's costing you twenty percent to hold the part. Well, you're just eight half your margin just in your carrying costs. So, it, it you know those kinds of things that that need to be shared between the two departments. Those managers Critical. have to do that, then hand that down to their team, and you get a greater respect for you know for for each other's struggles. Right. You know, I, I got to tell you one of and, and I'm I'm this this 100 percent is going point pro parts manager. OK, because I'm going to mention something here now that is the most misunderstood thing about the relationship between the parts department and the service department. You ready? Okay, I'm, I'm going to drop the bomb. I'm, I'm going to drop the bomb. Freight charges. <laughs> Dude, you know it's it literally is like I'm over here telling I, I'm I'm a service manager, right? And I'm over here going, dude, get me the part, okay? I can overnight it, but it's gonna be this. No, why why are we being charged for that? Like this is ridiculous. Like get the part, bring it here, let's go to work. Right. Right. No man, it's gonna cost you this. Why? Or it was you're gonna have to sell the freight. 
Yeah. So you're telling me to go tell a customer that this is the price of the part. And right. if you want it here tomorrow, you need to pay extra this. Yeah. So I, I have mixed feelings about that. Ooh, so I, like I, my personal opinion is it is the parts department's responsibility to, to procure the parts for the service department primarily. That's going to be your primary source of income. There are some exceptions to that rule, but by rule, the, 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 the most money you will ever make on a part you're selling across the back counter, right? To the technicians, to the shop. Right. So by, but you know, so most parts departments are designed to, to provide for them. And I think whatever it would take to keep those technicians working will benefit the parts department. So that freight cost that we're telling the service department to buy, you know, it, I think it's a little bit unfair because it's it's in our best interest to keep those guys working and hanging parts too, and it becomes a sore subject. And I think if you find yourself in a position where you're doing a lot of emergency purchases, where you're running around to other dealers to pick stuff up, you're paying more than cost, let's say 10 over or 15 over cost, mm -hmm. or you're doing a lot of next day air ordering or, or special handling where you're, you're, you know, where they're charging you a 10 or 25% fee for that, then you need to look at your stocking processes. You need to look at your fill off the shelf rate. You know, if, 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 you know, some of these, some of these things I'm throwing out, you know, we'll have these equations on our website. You can go and pull them down um, and you can scrub those against your inventory and see where you're at. But your fill off the shelf rate, fill rate to the shop should be, you know, I mean, above 80, I'd say you're better off at 90, 95%. And that, in that way, you're, you're actually able to make more money. You're able to make more margin because you don't have to order the part. You don't have to touch the thing. You don't have to pay the special handling or drive around and go pick the thing up at another store. So, so that, so to me, that's part of being a good parts manager and passing that cost on to the service department saying, now you have to pay for that is kind of the easy way out. And I think it's, it's, uh, it, it, again, it, it fosters bad will. Yeah. You know, it, it makes everybody feel. It makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes us feel like you're not part of the solution. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, and I've been on all sides of this game. So I was an advisor, a man, service manager, parts manager, technician, and I've seen the parts department from all sides and then from the inside out. And it, I, it really came to realize that, you know, it is, you have to work together. I'm here to provide for them. I want those texts coming up to the counter as many times as I possibly can because that's where I'm making all my money. Whoa, 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 whoa. Remember, they don't want them coming up to the counter. They <laughs> want them to send electronic, whatever. That's that's a whole other conversation right. we're going to talk about, which is the... But that's the thing. That's how you're going to sell parts. I agree. Without having those guys come up, I don't have any customers I'm not selling parts. So we want to make that happen as often as possible. I want to keep those guys working. I want to keep those guys efficient. And... Um, but that doesn't happen without the knowledge of the other side of the business. You know, I was, I was fortunate, very lucky to understand all sides. And I know I tortured you very much so, but I tortured you because I knew exactly what you were doing. You were getting paid off hours per repair order, oh, right? Yeah. You were getting paid off customer pay, labor yeah, sale and, and total sale. You don't want to cut your labor. Yeah. So it's the easy place to cut his parts. And the assumption is there's lots of money back there. But the truth is, if we really sat down and, and, and you know, they, what's the old saying? And I'm going to use one of my euphemisms, but it's like, see, or a quote, it's uh, um, seek to understand, then uh, then to be understood, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think that is, you know, appropriate here. It, it is, you know, this this is the game. I think we 
need to do a better job as leaders, as industry, as the as an as an industry as a whole, understanding each side of it. Not just my like I'm we're talking parts right now, but there's equal misunderstanding from parts to service. Hundred percent. Right? They don't know what you guys go through. Oh, no clue. No clue. And and on top of that, we're not they weren't built for that in, in most cases. Yeah, I mean it it's super hard where, you know, the parts department is telling us, well, too bad. I mean, the, the, we just don't have the part. It's going to be here in three days. And I'm over here going, I'm going to lose this sale. They're going to go get somewhere else. I'm going to do whatever. And it, it, it really upsets me. What really and you're bothered me. you're trying to make me, a paycheck. Exactly. The, the manager's up your wazoo. Exactly. And, yeah, exactly. You, you know, I'll tell you as a service advisor, one of the things that really irked the heck out of me, which was really bad. And I know, and I want to hear about it because, you know, we're almost done. We're going to take a, take, go a takeaway. But here's the one thing that really irked me. So I'll say this once. I'm trying to quote a job. Okay. The sir, the, the, the customer calls the comp, the competitor. It's an independent shop. That independent shop has a wholesale account with us. Right. Mm-hmm. They call us to tell us what the price is and we're giving them wholesale <laughs> pricing that that then the customer that then with then the independent shop is just passing it on to the yeah to the consumer yeah. right so then they come and tell me or you're on a or you're on some matrix right? right customer pay matrix and oh no no we'll sell it retail or or suggested retail to the wholesale or whatever right they'll sell it to suggested retail you increase the, the matrix and we're out yeah services out yeah, so that's a hard that's the hard thing about this game right now is that the and I think it's you know from a business owner perspective they want to sell if they can sell a part make a you know make a clip off of it they want to but the manufacturers are incentivizing that because they make all their money on parts. They're not making their money on labor, right? Labor mm-hmm. is an expense for them. Mm-hmm. So from the after sales side, um especially from warranty they they only make money when you're selling customer pay parts. That's what's feeding the warranty. That's the only margin they make. So this thing, quick service, um, wholesale incentives, you know, all this stuff is designed for them to sell parts to feed the rest of their machine. And, you know, and they make it advantageous for the business owner to want to be in that game. Right. But the problem is it's heroin. Okay. It's heroin. Okay. I'm telling you. Because when you get on, you cannot get off. Wow. Okay. So you're so they think of uh like I was doing you know a quarter million a month in wholesale. Okay. And I'm getting a a pretty sizable parts bonus for for having that level of volume, right? Between that and what I was selling to the shop, you know, we we had almost a two million dollar inventory. We were moving a lot of parts, um, and so we are our. our uh, annual parts bonus was, you know, over half a million. Right. And so, which in some cases, some of the stuff I've seen is small potatoes compared to what guys are getting now. I mean, this is 20 years ago or 15 years ago, but no, it was 20. Anyway, anyway, um, I digress, but, uh, the point is, is once you start to go down that road, if you were to back off, let's just say I'm out of the wholesale game. This is just a circle of death. I don't want to be in. Then what ends up happening is your volume drops and you miss your bonus. Mm. And you don't want to talk to an owner when you miss your parts bonus. That doesn't happen. So guess what you have to do? You have to not only do you have to sell wholesale parts, you have to now increase the volume next year. So if your service department's not growing by leaps and bounds, you have to find some other way because otherwise you miss it by not growing. Not only do they want you to sell, they want you to grow every year. 
That's crazy. So it's a game. It's a horrible it's game. It's a heroin. I'm telling you, when you're on it, you cannot get off. And I see these guys doing these big deals with these aftermarket suppliers and selling them big containers full of parts for super low margin. I'm like, it feels pretty good right now. But I'm telling you, man, you're going down a rabbit hole. You don't want to go down because you can't get off. You can't. You just can't get off. So and then, and then we're feeding an industry that's competing with the dealers, and it, and it's just kind of like a it's a circle. It, and so if you are a parts manager working in a dealership, you're working. You know, the service manager feels like you're working against them. Yeah, and so do the service advisors. Right. And then so then again we got bad blood, and so that there's no wonder why. We don't come together like when all these things are happening. But if you just sat down and told them, man, I'm just in a tough spot. This sucks. I don't like it either. I agree. We might have some understanding, right? Yep. You know, we might be able to come together. All right. Well, I think we should give three takeaways here of, of this conversation. The first one I'm going to give. Okay. And I think the last two you should give. The first one is in order to in order to improve a relationship, it takes communication. I had no clue how the parts department got paid. I had no idea how their margins worked. I had no idea how supply worked. I had no idea of all the things we've discussed because nobody shared it with me. Right. Okay. Nobody shared it with me. And it's funny because we get so wound up in the day-to-day operations of things and we let – it's so funny. Emotions will – emotions are the one thing that we can't ignore. Right. Because if I go to the parts department and you reject me, I'm upset. Right. Right. Because it's faster for me to take on my emotion because you can't control that instead of, hey, hey, man, let me explain to you why. Let me give you just a minute and tell you this is how it works. Do you know that you're affecting my family if I give you this discount? Right. Right. So I wouldn't come to you and ask for that. So I'm just letting you know that this is how it works back here. So how can we work together? What if I meet you in the middle, man? I'll give you 5% off and then you go over there and see if you can sell a little more because it's going to hurt me. Right. And and look, as an advisor, I don't want to hurt anybody, man. I'm just, I'm trying to make the sale thinking that it's going to help everybody. Yeah. Communication. That's the number, that's the number one thing. There's no, by, by, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's, that's what has to change for sure. Now, the other thing that I want you to give some advice, I want you to talk about or talk about, but the takeaway is what suggestion could you give to those parts managers that feel inundated with this heroin. Well, I so here's the thing. You can't you you are stuck in, you have to play the game by the rules that are laid out to you. So, unfortunately, I think you have to be in whole in the wholesale game. You have to. Um to you know, to the degree in which you want to get into it depends on the return you're going to get from the manufacturer. If it's big enough, you got to go all in. You you owe it to the business, you owe it to the business owner. You have to. You know, like we've seen, there's a big wholesale operation out here that they're getting a couple hundred thousand dollars a month from, you know, their, their give backs. And that's a lot. That's too much money to look away. Like that's a whole business into itself. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so that being said, you cannot avoid it. You, you have to do it. However, you, you need to share that with the service manager. And I think. If I if I want to give so your you know your takeaways it is you got to communicate my my thing I want to I want to reach out to parts managers and parts people like and say you have to extend that olive branch over the counter like I really do think that there there is a barrier just their physical presence 
you know, we have locked doors, blast doors, yep. you you know, two levels of security. Yep. You got to have a beeper to get through. Not anybody can go in there, including managers. Like the the parts department is generally like a Fort Knox. And that's a, it's, it's a formidable thing. And it creates separation between them and the rest of the dealership. I remember when I went into parts, they felt isolated as a team. And I told them we were gonna we were gonna become the bright shining star of this entire store, mm. you know, because they felt like the black hole. Right? Yeah, and and I think everybody else views them that way. So what I'm saying is, get out of that counter, get on the other side of that counter, walk over, talk with those advisors, talk to the service manager, smile, extend that, <laughs> yeah, smile. But seriously, get you know, get create relationships, open the doors. You know, and it, it, it literally and and figuratively open the doors, let people in, and start to build relationships with these people that you work with. Because, like it or not, you are you know it, it is you know it is a, a a synergistic relationship, whether you like it or not. Like they do not exist without each other. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I, I wasn't all pro parts all the time, but I've really met some extraordinary parts people mm-hmm. that have taught me a lot. You know, people like Don Valdez. I could, I would, I wouldn't have been able to do what I did without his help as my parts manager while I was the service director uh, to get the center of excellence because I did it with him and he communicated all the time with me. We were a team. Right. You know, people like Greg Chittum. Yep. That dude. You know, um, Luis Garcia, Luis Romano. Mm-hmm. You know, people like that. It's just, it's it's an incredible. I tell world. you, man, Luis Romano. I honestly, like, I I. Uh, I learned a lot from that guy. Dude, that guy's he, a that guy's a G. Yeah. So yeah, they, I mean, there are so many good good parts guys out there. Uh, Noah Sisson, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, there's Noah. so many good guys, and I'm sure you know the list could go on and on. But uh, I tell you, like, it, it, you just got you got to you got to get out. They have to get on the other side of that counter. The other side of that counter has got to be open to that conversation, and I think. The general managers, if there is a general manager, any general manager listening to this, I'm telling you, foster that relationship. Get those guys in a room. Get them talking. Take them out to dinner. You know, get them off premises. Uh, take them on a trip. I, I If there was one thing that was done right when I was there is that we would go out and do things in a social format, yep. which really does help help yep. build those bridges. Yep. Um, we used to do a casino night. So I would pass out poker chips to my team anytime they were doing something right, like a bin count, straightening a bin, fixing a bin, putting parts away. If I catch them, I'd, I'd hand out poker chips. And at the end of the uh, month, we would I get I had a roulette wheel and stuff. We'd get out and we'd, we'd play for cash. Oh, that's and they, fun. They would take it home. It was super fun. Dude, that's a cool game, man. And so what we did one time is we took all their chips and we doubled it and we gave half to all the service advisors. And we invited them up to the break room and we bought, we bought pizza and they played, and we played, and everybody was betting, and we had we had three different tables going. We had blackjack and no roulette, way. and yeah, and we had craps, and they just had a great time, and they all bonded together, and we got to break literally break bread, and but it it starts to create those relationships. But that's the thing, you know. I want you guys, you know, if you're out there listening, please listen to that because I I knew that needed to happen because I came from the other side. And most parts guys come from the parts department, never being on the other side of the wall. And so they, you have to do that. You just have to. Without that, 
Um, you'll never get to where you want to go. You'll never get as high as your what your potential is. Um, your potential is much higher than what it is, but doing it together, you'll get there much faster and you'll go much higher. Sweet. Well, G man, thank you very much. That was a good. That was good. I don't know if that was three takeaways, but that's thirty five minutes. So yeah, we're done. It's <laughs> over. As a matter of fact, we got to cut ten minutes. <laughs> we got to cut ten minutes. Cut. Right, we're, we're cutting cut. it.